You're listening to The Lunar Body, a podcast for feminist menstruators who want to manage their health naturally and supernaturally through nutrition, herbalism, and intuitive expansion using science and the moon as your guides. Hello, my friends. This is episode three of The Lunar Body. I'm your host, Kristen Ciccolini, period priestess, nutritionist, and the founder of Good Witch Kitchen. Today, we're going to talk about five possible reasons you're experiencing irregular periods. But first, I just want to say thank you to everyone who has subscribed so far and who's reached out or shared this podcast. I appreciate your support so, so much, and it really makes me excited to put together this resource for you every week. And if you ever have any questions or have suggestions for future episodes, definitely let me know because I want this to be really, truly for you. We're still focusing on some of the more practical things these first few episodes, but next week we'll start moving into the witchier, more spiritual side and talk a little bit more holistically about cyclical living because it's a whole ass lifestyle. Like the other day, I showed my partner Dan my planner. I use the Many Moons Planner from Modern Women, and I showed him how I use it as a journal. I track my cycle in it. I put astrological forecasts in there. It is truly my Bible, and he's like, wow, I had no idea you were so committed, which was like code for weird too, probably. (laughs) And his version of that gif of Homer Simpson, like backing away slowly into the bushes. (laughs) But I digress. This does not have to take over your life. I've just happily made cyclical living part of my practice. So back to today, we're talking about irregular periods, what that even means, because there are a few different ways it could be irregular, some potential reasons for this and what you can do to help. As a reminder, the information in the show is for educational purposes only. It's not a replacement for medical advice, and it is your responsibility to speak to a qualified healthcare provider about your unique needs. The final decision when considering any course of therapy, whether it's discussed on the internet, a podcast, or prescribed by your doctor, is always your own. This is going to be something you hear me say often, but I'm happy to be a broken record on this. Your menstrual cycle is a wealth of information about your health, and so irregular periods can tell you quite a bit. But if you don't really understand your body's language just yet, it'll take a little time in getting to know your personal rhythms to know when something's off. But the things I talk about today are intended to be some clues or breadcrumbs, like I have mentioned before, areas to possibly explore if they resonate with you. So let's see what you know about your cycle. Do you know when your last period began? Do you know how long it lasted? How about your average cycle length? Is the flow regular, heavy, or light? Do you have different levels of flow throughout your period? Do you know when you ovulate? If you have absolutely no idea or it's totally unpredictable, that's okay. Now you just have some markers to think about as you move forward. If you do know the answers to these questions, but don't know what any of it means, let's go over what's actually considered in a regular period. When we say a regular period, we're usually referring more to the length of the whole cycle rather than just the menstrual phase only. It's not necessarily only about when you bleed. And a healthy menstrual cycle can fall within a range of 25 to 35 days generally. Anything shorter or longer is worth looking into because it could be symptomatic of an underlying hormone issue. So 24 days and under may be considered irregular and 36 days and over as well. If the duration of your cycle varies, that's considered irregular too. For example, one month your cycle is 25 days and the next month is 35 days and the next month 30, 
you know, it, it's okay to have a little bit of a discrepancy, but if it's that much of a difference every month, another thing worth looking into. Consistency is key. Even if you fall on the short or long end of the healthy range, it's unlikely that there's an issue as long as it's the same from month to month. So again, if it were for 25 days one month and 35 the next, for instance, that would be irregular. But if it's consistently 25 days every single month, that's normal. And this doesn't always mean something bad is happening either, but again, it's just worth exploring. As for the menstrual phase itself, an irregular flow would be one that is extremely heavy or light, and this can signify an imbalance with estrogen or progesterone. So to recap, an irregular period is a cycle shorter than 25 days or longer than 35 days, a cycle that is inconsistent in length from month to month, or a period that is extremely heavy or very light in blood flow. These things can happen for a variety of reasons. I know for myself, I was on the birth control for 14 years and stopped taking it back in July. It's been about seven months and only one cycle so far has been a perfect 28 days. The rest have been in between 33 and 37. So as you can see, this is a process that requires some patience as you collect data about yourself and as you see the changes happen over time. I'm not going to cover birth control in today's episode. That can definitely be its own thing in the future. But know that if you have been on it for a while and have transitioned off, it's expected that your body is going to need some time to figure itself out, especially if you were on it for as long as I was. It's like your hormones are going through their like angsty teen phase where nobody understands them and they're finding themselves. But don't cut yourself any side bangs just yet. This is the best time to track your cycle and pay attention to signs and symptoms so you can develop body literacy and watch the changes as they happen from month to month. It's exciting. Maybe we have different definitions of exciting, but I find it thrilling. (laughs) Aside from birth control, because your hormones are so interconnected, there can be a variety of reasons that your cycle's off. And I'd say the most common culprit that I see with clients is stress. The very first thing I'd ask a client is what their stress levels are like. Is there something particularly overwhelming happening in your life or did it recently? How do you like to relieve stress? Do you have any go-to activities for self-care or to calm your nervous system? Do you have any time for yourself throughout the week? We're often our own last priority when things get hectic. There's just so much else to do, right? You're busy with work all day, then after work, maybe you're dealing with family or a commute or fitting in a workout or socializing. You have your own personal to-do list on top of work tasks. There's a pile of magazines that's growing in the corner, all those podcasts you said you'd like to listen to. P.S. Thank you for making time for this one. Oh my God, there is just so much to do and none of it is feeling good, right? But we really do have to find time to prioritize ourselves because otherwise our bodies are in a constant state of that fight or flight mode. That's our, you know, that's our stress state that we talked about last week. And in this state, our body's instinct is to make simply staying alive a priority, even when the mind is too maxed out to work towards that goal. So what comes to mind right now is that saying, if you don't choose a time to rest, your body will. So It can be with your consent or without, but just minding your stress levels is really important. And last week I talked more in depth about how your stress hormones are prioritized above all else. So your reproductive hormones, the ones responsible for your cycle, are put on the back burner, essentially in a state of burnout or chronic stress. 
In that state of chronic stress, we're constantly pumping out cortisol, which is a stress hormone that helps us cope. And there are a couple theories on what happens here. One is the concept of a cortisol steal, meaning your body has to steal from other sources to make cortisol. In sciencey terms, and this is what I learned in school, is that stress blocks certain enzymes and the pathway needed to create reproductive hormones like progesterone, and it diverts that energy to produce more cortisol. However, more recent literature focuses more on your brain signals. So basically your brain telling the body to produce more cortisol. And there's a longer explanation to that, but I won't confuse you with the different types of hormones. But essentially it's just a shift in what your brain tells your adrenal glands to do rather than your body stealing from other sources. Ultimately, either way you look at it, it results in the same problem, a negative shift in reproductive hormone levels. So finding time to de-stress is super, super important. Try to carve out time for yourself, whether it's for a walk around the block to clear your head, a few minutes of meditation, an hour-long bath with your laptop propped up in the toilet seat watching Bridgerton or whatever the latest Netflix series is, however it looks for you. You deserve to make yourself a priority. You only have one body and no one else can take care of it like you can. The next possible reasons for irregular periods is dieting or disordered eating. Now, I know disordered eating sounds strong, but if you are a woman or if you've experienced gender dysphoria around your body, you've likely participated in some form of disordered eating because diet culture is so, so prevalent in our society. And according to the National Eating Disorder Association, dieting itself is considered a form of disordered eating. So any form of restricted eating or eating that abides by arbitrary rules fits within that definition. So pretty much every diet. And I saw a news article recently that said women will try an average of 130 diets in their life. So that is at least two a year. And honestly, that tracks. (laughs) Especially when you consider the pressure around January and resolution time, and then when summer rolls around and you see all this messaging about beach bodies, it's really hard to avoid, and we have pretty much all been there. An actual diagnosed eating disorder is different, and it is a definite contributor to irregular periods, but it is a bit different from disordered eating in certain factors like the number of behaviors, the level of obsessiveness, and how much it interferes with your daily life. If you suspect you might be suffering from an eating disorder, please contact your healthcare provider or the National Eating Disorder Association helpline. You can call them at 1-800-931-2237. You can also text and chat, so go to their website for more information on that at nationaleatingdisorders.org. Disordered eating can look very normalized, like very normalized behaviors such as plugging food measurements into an app that has an algorithm decide how many calories you're allowed. It could be strictly following advice from a friend, tips from a celebrity, something you saw on Instagram or in a magazine or on TikTok, diet advice from an influencer. And if you are on TikTok, the diet videos are rampant over there. It's kind of a mess. It's also cutting out whole food groups like carbs without being medically advised to do so, fearing whole food groups like this. And I know those sound pretty typical, everyday things that we don't really see as out of the ordinary, but just like PMS symptoms are super common, neither of these things are normal. Common doesn't mean it's supposed to happen. And if we're going to take it there, like racism is common, but that doesn't mean it's normal or it's supposed to happen. And diet culture is actually rooted in racism and white supremacy. 
And you can read the book by Sabrina Strings called Fearing the Black Body, The Racial Origins of Fat Phobia. We could definitely dive into this topic more in a future episode, but for now, I will put a link to in the show notes to that book. So dieting and these normalized dieting behaviors can create stress in the body because many diets were not created for lunar bodies. Cis white men are the standard test subject in research because our hormone fluctuations cause too much trouble in the process. I've literally read a journal stating that our cycles pretty much create difficulties. So most of the research on all these fad diets, if there is any research on them, is done on men and don't take our four phases of hormone changes into consideration. Plus, we all require different amounts of food, which can change depending on where you are in your cycle, your energy level, the temperature outside, physical activity, and other considerations. So sticking to arbitrary food rules or diets developed for mass consumption is a recipe for failure. Most people don't know that, though, so they move to the next diet and the next diet and the next diet trying to find that magic bullet. And we think it's a personal failure, and it's not. And it's a very hard mentality to get out of. I still wrestle with it too, but the more you're able to identify it, the more you're able to see diet culture and identify it, the better you're able to choose how you interact with it. So now when I see these things, I recognize it as diet culture and I can either be conscious about it and choose to ignore it and close Instagram, close TikTok, whatever it is, or I can just let it seep into my brain, which I definitely try not to do anymore. On top of the mental stress of feeling like we failed, diets create physical stress because of the restriction, whether you're restricting certain types of foods or restricting food overall. Most people are actually surprised when they come to me and I tell them they need to eat more food. They're so used to restricting their intake and it's like antithetical to everything they've ever been taught. They're like, wait, what? More? Are you sure? (laughs) And I explain not consuming enough calories to meet your needs is a physical form of stress that can impact your ability to ovulate. Ovulation is the event that triggers oncoming menstruation. So if that's not happening, or if it's taking a longer time than usual to happen, so will your period. And this can also be the case from rapid weight loss due to dieting too. So that creates some stress. And the solution I recommend is not another diet, but to practice intuitive eating. Intuitive eating is a framework for healing your relationship with food that encourages letting go of the diet mentality and embracing what feels good to your body. The process is led by you, not by your friends, not by celebrities, not by Instagram. And this is the basis of my approach with clients when it comes to reframing your connection with food and balancing hormones. I'll put a link in the show notes to this book called Intuitive Eating and I hope you find it as life-changing and valuable as I have. The third possible reason you're experiencing irregular periods, over-exercising. This is another physical form of stress and can lead to hypothalamic amenorrhea. So hypothalamic, the hypothalamus in the brain controls your reproductive hormones, and amenorrhea is a missing period. Over-exercising, it's often paired with disordered eating and not always intentionally. If you're doing too much high-intensity exercise or working out too often, there's a chance you're not refueling properly or adjusting your food intake based on your level of activity. And I'm not suggesting at all that you count your calories, but it is important to pay attention to your body and your hunger levels because they change day-to-day and with your exercise frequency. To put this in perspective, you can think of your body as a bank. Food is considered a deposit, 
and exercise is considered a debit, just in this context in terms of energy only, because exercise is definitely a deposit in other contexts. So if you're spending a lot on exercise, there's a lot of debits, and not depositing enough food to make up for the energy expenditure, your bank account is going to be in the negative. And if you do this enough, your bank's going to get a little fed up and freeze your account, right? So it'll only allow you to make deposits from here on out until you're out of the red. And this might be a dumb example, but you get the idea. You know, back to what we talked about with stress, this chronic energy deficit without adequate nutrition when refueling is a physical stressor. You're back in that fight or flight mode and the energy that remains is channeled towards the essentials only to survive. And ovulation and menstruation, not necessary to live. It's evolutionary. In a state of stress, your body perceives that it's unsafe to bring new life into the world, so there's no need to ovulate. If your cycles are regular, and especially if you're having fertility troubles, it's important to take a look at your physical activity and whether you're meeting your needs or if you're restricting. Listening to your body rather than following following a specific fitness plan will be much better for your hormones and your overall health. The fourth possible reason for an irregular cycle is hypothyroidism. Hypothyroidism means your thyroid gland is not producing enough active thyroid hormone or that proper uptake of the hormone is impaired, meaning your body isn't using it effectively. The thyroid is a butterfly-shaped gland located in the neck, and if you know anything about it, you probably know it as the governor of your metabolism, but it also governs the metabolism in your ovaries. Thyroid hormone is important for the brain as well, so this is where the menstrual cycle begins. Remember that the hypothalamus is located in the brain, and the hypothalamus communicates with the ovaries to stimulate the whole process of estrogen and progesterone buildup and breakdown. The thyroid is also important for follicle development, where eggs are released from during ovulation, so if you're experiencing hypothyroidism, irregular periods can be one of the symptoms. To find out if you have hypothyroidism, you can go get tested at the doctor. I talked a little bit about this in the last episode about the tests you should ask for. But first, before all that, because in the U.S. going to the doctor and getting tested can be such a production, you can first try something at home, and that's to track your basal body temperature. Because a major responsibility of the thyroid is to regulate your body temperature, there can be a clue in here for you. You want a digital basal body thermometer, something that's precise and gives you a reading of at least a tenth of a degree. So that would be the first number after the decimal, like 98.1 or whatever. That extra detail is important. And you'll take your temperature in the follicular phase of your cycle. So that's the first half prior to ovulation. And you'll want to do it first thing in the morning before you get out of bed. The word basal means base, so like your starting temperature for the day. And the reason we want to do this then is because as you wake up, your body temperature will start to rise. So it's also important to make sure you've had a few hours of sleep because the reading might be off if, for example, you woke up around four in the morning and you tossed and turned for three hours before finally deciding to get up. So your reading might be off then. So track your temperature in the first half of your cycle, first thing in the morning after at least three consecutive hours of sleep. And this also gives you a reason to stay in bed for a couple extra minutes. That's why I like it. I use a digital thermometer with Bluetooth, so it's easy to just connect everything to my phone. And the one I use is the brand Femometer, but there's a lot of different kinds. I just found one that was relatively cheap and connected to my phone, and there's an app that goes with it too if you want to use that. And I'll link the one that I use in the show notes. But I, I connect it to my Bluetooth. It goes to the Femometer app, but I just log that reading into Kindara, which is my 
period tracker of choice. So anyway, you're, you're tracking your temperature. Now what? What are you actually looking for? If there are three consecutive days with a body temp below 97.0 degrees Fahrenheit, the next step should be to give your doctor a call and ask for a full thyroid panel. And I want to stress the importance of timing here because in the second half of your cycle, progesterone takes over and naturally warms the body up. And the typical post-ovulation body temp is 97.7 degrees and higher. Though it might vary, for me personally, I notice it's 98.0 and up, which is why paying attention to your personal rhythms is so important. But just in general, it's going to be higher generally. So that's why you want to do it in the first half so that you can see if there's a reading under 97 degrees. Heavy bleeding during your period, short cycles, and spotting throughout your cycle are also symptoms of thyroid dysfunction, and this is due to a potentially impaired ability to produce enough progesterone. So start tracking your temperature, see what you can find there, and if you have any questions about this, about how it all works, feel free to reach out to me and I'll be happy to help you. And then the last potential reason for regular periods that I'll talk about today is PCOS, or polycystic ovary syndrome, or ovarian syndrome. Irregular cycles are a hallmark of PCOS, and with this condition, it's typical to have very long cycles, and it might seem that you ovulate and simply don't get your period. However, even though there may be signs of ovulation, so those signs might be increased cervical fluid that you notice in your underwear or on toilet paper, or when the sensation down there feels more slippery and wet, the presence of that fluid lets you know your body is preparing for ovulation. So you might think you're ovulating, but it doesn't mean it's actually happened. And that's where the body temperature reading comes in to help you confirm if and when it's happened. But with PCOS, you might have these periods of sometimes seeing that mucus, sometimes not, and then it comes back, then it goes away, and then it comes back again. This doesn't mean you've ovulated multiple times. I've heard people say that before, but if you have PCOS, that's actually a sign that your body's attempting to ovulate. So it's attempting multiple times, but the egg either hasn't developed adequately enough to be released or it isn't being released properly. So checking your body temperature will be helpful here. A definitive cause for PCOS is unknown, but there are a couple of known contributors The first is high levels of androgens, which govern the development of traits of those assigned male at birth and can prevent ovulation, and insulin resistance manifesting in the ovaries. And that means that it'll be really important to keep blood sugar regulated, having a balance of protein, fat, and fiber with your meals to keep blood sugar from spiking. And I can go into way more detail than that in another episode. If that's something you're interested in, just let me know. So you have five potential reasons that your cycle is irregular. Now what? (laughs) I give you some breadcrumbs to follow for potential reasons to figure out if that's your root cause, but let's just recap. The primary ways to work towards a regular cycle are stress reduction and intuitive eating. That's my approach. I also highly recommend tracking your cycle if you haven't started already, making note of how you're feeling each day and logging your basal body temperature each morning. As well as looking for a sign of hypothyroidism, temperature tracking can help you determine where you are in your cycle and if ovulation has occurred, especially if you're just starting out tracking and want to figure out what phase you're in. With a balanced cycle, your period will typically arrive 12 to 16 days after ovulation. And if you have at least 18 days with higher temperatures after ovulation, it's time to go get a pregnancy test. 
The more data you have, the better you'll be able to understand your body and decide for yourself or communicate with your healthcare practitioner on what the steps forward to a better cycle will be. I hope that was helpful for you all. This episode is supported by my free mini guide that can help you implement cyclical living, including some tips on self-care and phase-specific nutrition. It's called Sinking with the Moon for a Better Flow, and you can get it at goodwitchkitchen.net slash flow. Take care of yourself, my friends. Thank you for listening to The Lunar Body. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email me at thelunarbody at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at goodwitchkitchen. If you liked what you heard today, I'd love for you to leave a review on iTunes. My love language is words of affirmation, so you know I'll appreciate it on a deep soul level. But it also helps amazing, lunar, lovely feminists like you find my show. Thank you so much. Until next time.